Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. It's not as important that you be here every Sunday as it is for you to live in the outside world what you proclaim when you come in these doors. It is important that you be under the regular, systematic teaching of the Word of God. I believe that's absolutely important. But beloved, you also need to be living that outside because living it in here does nothing to impact the world. And if you're not living it out there, then that is just a declaration that what you're saying and what you're doing in here, you're either trying to deceive yourself or deceive others. Many of us have a tendency to pat ourselves on the back, so to speak, for having a form of godliness. However, as Paul would say to Timothy, there are those who have a form of godliness, yet they deny its power. But what does Paul mean? In today's message, Pastor David teaches us the importance of living out our lives as disciples more than once a week. In our study, we learn that while it's important to attend church, it's even more important that our church lives pour out to our daily lives. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Christ Has Enabled Me. You bring with you a lot of baggage from the world, don't you? You probably carry a lot of that stuff in here with you, don't you? Maybe I shouldn't hang with you too much because, you know what, I've been pure from my birth and, uh, you know, I've been right there, I've been with it and I don't have all the baggage that you carry with you and Again, it, it kind of, they, they had that feeling that it would give them a step up in the kingdom that would place them in some kind of a status of a favored son or a daughter without continually realizing how desperately each one of us need the Savior. Doesn't matter who your grandfather or who your father is, it's where you're at in Christ. And every one of us come to level ground at the cross. You see, there's not a one of us, not a one of us. Regardless of the call, regardless of the background, regardless of the gifting, regardless of the talent, whatever it is, there's not a one of us that can stand above any of the others at all. Because in Christ, we were all desperately, desperately lost. And outside of our coming to faith in him, surrendering our lives, laying down our lives before him, we would have had an eternity in hell forever and ever and ever. Regardless of who my daddy is or my grandfather, regardless of my past places of residence, regardless of anything else in my life, until I come to that And you see, it's those kinds of things, those kinds of arrogances, those kinds of uh, status symbols, those kinds of one-upmanship 
this whole idea. And Paul says, these are the things that bring disputes within the body of Christ rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And beloved, we all need to walk in faith, not through something that ever happened in the background. No, we walk by faith. We daily walk by faith. Those kinds of things, they're not for the building up of the body of Christ. They are for the tearing down of the body. There in verses 5 through 7, we continue on. Paul says, now the purpose of the commandment is love. Love from a pure heart, love from a good conscience, love from a sincere faith from which some have have strayed and have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Paul first begins here by pointing out that the purpose of the commandment is love, and a very special kind of love. It's a love that's from a pure heart. It's love that's from a good conscience. It's love that's from sincere faith. The purpose and the reason and the heart that Paul is writing to Timothy here was out of love, both his love for Timothy as well as his love for the church, but even more than that, his love for the Lord. And he wants them to get it right. He wants the church to be right. And Paul's love was that love of a pure heart and a good conscience and of a sincere faith. That's the kind of love that he had for them. And sometimes that kind of love has to speak harshly. It has to speak directly. It has to speak correction. little sidebar here. No extra charge for this. Okay, You just get it free because you're here today. Parents who don't bring strong correction on their children, you are not showing them love. You're showing your own love for yourself because you don't want to be sorrowful in bringing sorrow to your children. You see, if you don't bring strong correction to your children, you allow them to be raised without correction. And that is the worst kind of response that you could ever give to your children. They need correction. They need direction. That's why God has honored you to be the parent or the guardian of those little ones. Okay, end of free lesson. Let's move on. Okay. Paul knew that Timothy was already dealing with this kind of stuff there in, in places of leadership. There were some that, again, didn't have that kind of heart. They didn't have that pure love, that, that good conscience, or that sincere faith. They, they weren't moving in love. No doubt these were probably the very same ones that were emphasizing these endless genealogies and these myths. They had strayed away. They, they've turned aside to idle talk. They desired to be teachers of the law, but they understood neither what they said nor the things that they were affirming. It's a reminder to all that are in leadership within the body of Christ that we all need to be directed by a heart and an attitude of love, love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith. And in addition to this, leadership, and I don't care what area of leadership that you are in, leadership needs to know and proclaim the reality of the truth of the gospel without fables, without myths, without adding to or taking away, but the truth and the fullness of the gospel, and they need to proclaim it in love. Otherwise, if we're just committing or or, or transferring the, the head knowledge 
This is the word of God. We're going to go through the word of God, and this is what this means, and this is what you need to understand. If that's all we're doing, it's just transferring a bunch of head knowledge, and we're absent of the love to those that we're serving, then suddenly the leadership and the teachers, they simply become, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, we become clanging cymbals and sounding brass. Wouldn't you love it to come into a church service someday and I'd just be up here bang, 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 You wouldn't stay too long, would you? I know I certainly wouldn't. Drive me nuts. But that's what Paul says if we if we're not serving, if we're not working in love. Those kinds of things, that, that kind of love, that wasn't happening in Ephesus. And Timothy was charged by Paul to, to bring in correction. And some were going to buck against Timothy's leadership. They were going to uh, push against Timothy's message. That's why Paul tells him a little bit later, hey, don't let them despise your youth. You be an example to them. But proclaim the message. Don't back down. Paul wanted Timothy to, to literally lay down the law, but lay it down in a way that the people would understand the importance of how they were living their lives and what their particular testimony looked like to the world that was around them. And beloved, how important that is. It's not as important that you be here every Sunday as it is for you to live in the outside world what you proclaim when you come in these doors. It is important that you be under the regular, systematic teaching of the Word of God. I believe that's absolutely important. But beloved, you also need to be living that outside. Because living it in here does nothing to impact the world. And if you're not living it out there, then that is just a declaration that what you're saying and what you're doing in here, you're either trying to deceive yourself or deceive others. It's got to pour out from here. It's got to go outside these walls. Much of Paul's ministry had been criticized through the years. So many had thought that he was way too soft, that uh, he was soft on the law, and he had this overemphasis on grace. Well, Paul wanted Timothy to know the very importance of the law, and he also wanted him to know the the true importance of it. Look at beginning in verse 8. Verse 8, Paul writes, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless, for the, uh, the insubordinate, for the ungodly, and for the sinners. For the unholy and the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. What these detractors and these antagonists against Paul's ministry didn't know or what they refused to understand was that the law itself had absolutely no ability to make a person righteous. That was the main message of the apostle. The law can't make you righteous. Remember, elsewhere Paul says that the law is our schoolmaster, it's our tutor to, to bring us to Christ. 
That's what the law does. The, the law reveals our great need, but it has no power to change us at all. The law simply pointed out our failings, but it couldn't do anything to change them. It simply drives us to Christ. I was working out in my yard yesterday, doing some of the yard work and stuff, and uh, as uh, I got to a point of being able to stop and it was starting to get warm anyway, so it worked out really good. Got to a point of stopping and went in and went into my bathroom. And as I looked into the mirror, I looked and there's this big smudge of dirt on the side of my face. I didn't know I had a smudge of dirt on the side of my face. I had no idea. I thought I'd stayed pretty clean while I was working out in the yard. But as I looked there at that, I, I, it surprised me at first. I, I, I didn't know it was there. But the more that I looked at it, not only was there a smudge there, but there was some over on this side too, and there was some on my arms. And the more I looked at that mirror, the more I realized how filthy I was. I gazed at the mirror for quite a while. Nothing changed, except it just showed me how dirty I was. I wondered if maybe I just kind of turned my face a little or just brushed a little off. People wouldn't notice too much. I knew it was there. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to keep it hidden for very long. I had to do something. So I thought, and I began to curse the mirror. How dare you say how dirty I am? How dare you point out the filth in my life and the faults in my life? Surely it had to be the mirror's fault. It was showing something that probably wasn't nearly as bad. Because before I came to that mirror, I I didn't feel that bad, but that mirror suddenly made me feel absolutely filthy. Finally, I came to understand that I was dirty, and I desperately needed washing. But you know what? That mirror couldn't wash me. It only showed me what was true about myself. And so then I, I, I faced three choices at that point in time. Number one choice, go out and get another type of mirror. One that's kind of foggy and you can't see real clear through. Okay? Or my second choice, maybe I could just simply ignore the image on the mirror and tell myself I'm not nearly as dirty as what that mirror says that I am. And I'm, certainly I'm not as dirty as the guy that tripped and fell in the mud. I mean, you can see him. Mine's not nearly that bad. Well, my third choice was find a way available to to wash away the dirt and to cleanse me completely. And so I stepped into the shower. And as I stepped into the shower and saw the dirt coming off of me and being washed by the cleansing of that water over me, suddenly I realized I was dirty and I was desperately in need of cleansing. You see, of all the sins that, that Paul listed there in verse 9 and, and 10, the uh, lawlessness, the insubordinate, the ungodly, the sinners, the unholy, the profane, the murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, and on and on. You see, I'm, I'm guilty of some of those. Probably more of those than what I care to even think about. Either by action or by thought, for certain. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty and then he puts that, or he adds with it, 
any other thing that's contrary to sound doctrine. So I'm really bummed that, that, that Paul put that if I'm living my life contrary to sound doctrine, I'm in the same list as manslayers and fornicators and sodomites. You gotta be kidding me, Paul. You're not, you're not saying that that sin is just as great as the others. You're not saying that in, in my filth, I'm as bad as that one that's rolling in the mud right now. But that's exactly what Paul is saying. As a matter of fact, James and Paul agree very greatly in this because it's James that writes to us in James chapter 2. He says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he's guilty of them all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you don't commit adultery, but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. Then on top of that, Jesus comes and he declares earlier on, he says, you've not committed adultery, but have you lusted for someone in your heart? You say that you haven't murdered anyone, but have you hated someone? You see, those, all of those things mesh together. All of it speaks of a life that is not in agreement with the fullness of the word of God and the fullness of the heart of God. You see, that's where the gospel now comes into full force and effect. What we couldn't do for ourselves, beloved, Christ has done for us. The mirror of the word of God cannot cleanse us, but it draws us and drives us to the one whose blood is powerful enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even a former blasphemer and a persecutor like the Apostle Paul. Even he could be used in the ministry. Look what he says quickly in verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, if he just stopped there, you thought, wow, Paul had his act together and there was nothing wrong with the apostle Paul. But Paul gives a little bit of true confession here because he goes on to say, I was, I was a persecutor or a blasphemer. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man. That insolent man means that I was a a, a violent, arrogant man, violently arrogant. See, Paul had placed himself above so many others because he was a Jew of the Jews, man. He was, he was a son of the law. That's why he persecuted the Christians. And in his ego, he knew he had it right and everyone else had it wrong. But he goes on. He says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Everyone outside the fold of Christ, outside the flock of Christ, they're living their lives in ignorance. Why do people act like goats? Because they haven't been redeemed to be sheep yet. And that's what Paul was saying, man, I was, I was ignorant. I was just living outside the, no, the true knowledge of God. He goes on to say, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world 
to save sinners. I've got to tell you right now, I am the chief one, he says. I'm the chief one. You see, because Paul understood, it's not what sin you commit. It's the fact that you are outside the truth of God. In the midst of all of his warnings, in the midst of all of his instruction to Timothy, Paul is reminded of the abundance of grace, the grace that he experienced in his own life. And again, even as he writes these things, Paul's not giving out a free pass to continue on in sin. That's okay. The blood of Christ is going to cover you. You, you, you got a free get out of hell card. You can pull it out anytime. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul wasn't exalting himself, neither was he giving, again, individuals just a free ride because of grace. He clearly states, man, it's Jesus Christ that has enabled me. It's Jesus Christ that's put me in the ministry. It's Jesus Christ who gave me and showed me mercy. It's the grace of my Lord that was exceedingly abundant within my life. It was Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners. And Paul knew that he was a guilty and he was as guilty as any man. And as a matter of fact, he calls himself the head or the chief sinners. And he wanted Timothy to understand that those who were sinning needed to stop it. They needed to repent of their sin. And they needed to come into the fullness of the forgiveness offered through faith in Jesus Christ. If they don't know Christ, they need to come to salvation. If they know Christ and they're just continuing on in their sin, then they need to repent, stop what they're doing, repent, and come back into the truth. He continues on in verse 16. However, for this reason I obtain mercy. For this reason, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul understood that he was saved for a purpose and for a reason. My question to you this morning, were you saved for a reason? Were you saved for a purpose? Every one of your heads ought to be shaken this way. But it's not just to get out of hell and and get a railroad ticket to heaven. He saved you for a purpose because within your life, there are individuals within your circle of acquaintances that need to know that the one true God is true. He is alive. He is living. He is real. I believe that again, Paul wrote these things and in the midst of these, suddenly we see, man, he's breaking into worship He's breaking into praise. I believe that Paul was the kind of guy that probably lived his life right on the very urge, the very, the very precipice of just breaking out in, in praise and worship. As he ends this section, suddenly Paul declares these words, verse 17. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then suddenly it just keeps on going, verse 18. And so this charge I commit to you, my son Timothy. Well, we're not going to get into that. We'll save that for next time. But it's interesting that right in the midst of all this instruction, he gives this great word of praise. There's so much to learn from the pages of 1 Timothy. 
But sadly, we've come to the conclusion of today's message with Pastor David. You don't have to wait to hear another edition of The Open Word. Simply visit our website at theopenword.com and click on Teachings to download several past messages taught by Pastor David. You can also subscribe to our podcast to get each teaching as soon as it's made available. We're so glad you're part of our listening audience, and we'd love to connect with you. Find us on Facebook, learn more about us at theopenword.com, or just give us a call. We love hearing from our listeners. Our phone number is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. And if you live in or are visiting the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has an invitation just for you. Thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and at 11 o'clock a.m., and on Wednesdays and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word today. May God bless your continuing study of God's Word. Join us next time for more from 1 Timothy right here on The Open Word.